Good morning and welcome to my podcast. I'm Daisy Elizabeth and you're listening to The Daisy Take. Um, today's episode is going to be about Antoinette Christine Caidito. And I have to say, I hope y'all are having a wonderful day or afternoon. It's Friday and um, let's get into it. <clears throat> You'll have to excuse me. I think I'm still fighting a chest cold, but I'm not really sure because I just don't feel up to par. I don't feel like I normally would feel, but um, there have been a few stresses in my life the last week. I almost did not put out the podcast today. Um, And I was going to give my listeners, you know, let you know that there would be a new episode next week. However, this will probably be a short one. Um, I've had a few things going on in my life concerning family. And, um, it's, it's been quite a, quite a rough week, but hopefully we're going to get through it and at least get through Christmas. So, um, anyway, just wanted to share that a little bit and, um, let you guys know that that's why I'm a little sluggish today. But um, anyway, I hope you're having a wonderful day and I hope that everything is going good and that you're celebrating the fact that it's Friday. So everybody loves a Friday and um, let's get into it. So today's uh, episode is going to be on Antoinette Christina, Christine, excuse me, Cayadito. She was born December 25th, 1976. How beautiful is that? be born on Christmas. Um, She's a Native American girl who disappeared from her home in Gallup, New Mexico on April 6, 1986. Although law enforcement officials believe her to be deceased, she is still officially listed as a missing person. Um, Today's episode comes from wikipedia.org, so don't like out me on that and a few YouTube videos that I watched. And there have been a number of um, other podcasters who have done her case. Um, So I I think it's really good. Maybe she still is alive and somebody can bring her home. And that that would be the most beautiful thing of all. Um, But I just wanted to let you know that I did. I've heard this story before many times. And it's, it's always interested me because she went missing in 86 and um, we're 2022. So let's figure out that math. <laughs> yeah, math was never my, um, my strong suit. So let's figure it out. So I believe she's been missing 36 years or more. If I'm right on that. And, um, if I'm wrong, I apologize. (laughs) So, Antoinette Cayadito was born on December 25th, 1976 to Penny Cayadito, who passed away in 1999. And I think the agony of that is her mother never knowing what happened to her child. And she was of the Navajo Nation. And Anthony Montoya 
a father of an Italian Hispanic ascent. So um, I believe her mother was Native American from the Navajo Nation and her father was Italian and Hispanic. Um, after her parents' separation, Antoinette and her younger sister, Wendy and Sedina, were raised by her mother in Gallup, New Mexico. Um, I've been to Gallup, very small town. Very cool though. Northern New Mexico is, it's magical. To me, it's magical. Um, so I, I just, I love going up North cause I think it's very magical. And, um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that there is some, I, I don't know. There's like just some kind of the only word I can use is magic because there is some kind of presence up north that is totally different from southern New Mexico and northern New Mexico, totally different. And I just, I think it's beautiful. Turquoise is beautiful to me. So just, just the way it is up there is very beautiful. Antoinette was described as being level-headed and wise beyond her years. Scholastically dedicated. She was caring, friendly, and dependable. By the time she was six years old, she was cooking for her sisters, ironing their clothes for the week. And she played a vital role in taking care of them. She was known by her peers for her displayed concern of their well-being and for others. particularly if they were downcast or otherwise in need. Her younger sister would describe her as having a caring heart. Her favorite color was purple, and she enjoyed listening to the music of Michael Jackson and Ronnie Millsap. And she was nicknamed Squirrel. I think that is so cool because Michael Jackson and Ronnie Millsap, that's like two different, you know, two different things of music. It's like two different realms. And um, this, you know, I have to agree just by hearing her story and by um, doing her story and just by reading this, she was probably one of those children that was, you know, very wise. You, I've heard it said before, and I've met kids like this. When they say they have an old soul. And I really believe that's true. Some people are born with old souls. And I, I think I think that it really describes her here. So she was a fourth grade student at Lincoln Elementary School. And she was above average. And she loves sports and physical activities. And winning the Presidential Fitness Award in the fourth year. Cayadito also displayed strong interest in her Bible studies. She was devoted to her religious faith. And at the time of her disappearance, she was living with her mom and her sisters in Gallup, New Mexico. Now, it does give you the address, but I don't want to put the address out there because I don't think that it's appropriate. So I'm just going to leave the address out. But... um. It is, uh, she was in Gallup, New Mexico at the time of her disappearance. 
Cayadito, <clears throat> Antoinette, Antoinette, it's Antoinette, not Antoinette. Antoinette Cayadito disappeared from her home on U.S., <clears throat> excuse me, Route 66 in Gallup. In the early morning hours of April 6, 1986, that evening, her mother Penny had been out with friends at a local bar, and her younger sisters Wendy and Sadie were with a babysitter. So her mother Penny arrived home around midnight and sent the babysitter home. The following morning, when Penny woke up to get the girls ready for Bible school, she realized that Antoinette was not in her bedroom. After she asked the neighbors, have you seen her? Has she been outside? Uh, she phoned the police. So five years after she disappeared, Wendy would have been 10, gave her account of the events that night. According to Wendy, there had been a knock at the door around 3 a.m. Both girls were still awake, and Antoinette answered the door. When she asked who was there, the knocker identified himself as Uncle Joe. When she opened the door, she was grabbed by two men, kicking and screaming, Let me go, let me go. The men forced her into a brown van. Wendy didn't recognize the men she didn't get a look at their faces. Wendy said it, stated that she said nothing at the time. Uh, she didn't want to upset her mother, so she didn't say anything. That, <clears throat> if everything that her sister is saying is true, that would be a hard burden to carry. And you're only 10 years old. 10-year-olds are not supposed to... They're not supposed to worry about things like that. Children are supposed to be able to have carefree lives and good lives until they grow up into adulthood. That's just my be belief, you know, call me naive, but um, I really feel that children should, there's a lot of things in this world that children do not need to bear the brunt of. They don't. So one year after she disappeared, Antoinette disappeared, the Gallup, Police the Gallup Police Department received a frantic phone call in which a young girl claimed to be Antoinette Cayadito. In the call, she said she was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now I've heard the phone call and I believe that you can go online and listen to the phone call. It's very disturbing. It's very disturbing. You hear this little girl saying, I'm Antoinette Cayadito. It's very, very hard to hear. Um, before And before she could reveal her whereabouts, there was an angry adult. Um, you could hear, I, it sounds to me like a woman. Now, they some people have said it was a man, but it sounds like a woman. Uh, to me, it sounds like a woman. Um who said you could use the phone? And then uh, that's followed by her screaming, a girl screaming, uh, sound of a scuffle, and then the phone was cut off. Her mother, Penny, believed it to be the voice of her daughter, 
but did not recognize the adult's voice. That would be, I think for me, that would be the most disturbing phone call that you could ever hear. Because if you truly believe it's your child, how are you going to live with that? Knowing that they were screaming and somebody was hurting them. That to me is very, very disturbing. Four years later, in 1991, a waitress in a restaurant in Carson City, Nevada, encountered a teenage girl matching Cayadito's description. And she was in the company of an unkept couple. Unkempt. Means they were dirty. The girl continuously knocked her utensils on the floor, seemingly to get the attention of the waitress. And according to the waitress, the girl grabbed her hand and squeezed it, squeezed it firmly um, and handed back the utensils. Now, after the waitress cleaned their table and found a napkin under the plate from where the girl had been eating from, it contained two brief messages. Help me and call the police. Those were both written on napkins. That to me is disturbing. So it. what did the waitress do? Call the police? I would be freaked out. And I think I probably would have called the police before then, just because that's how I am. If I see somebody who's getting hurt or I see somebody who's in trouble, right away I want to help them. And I don't care what it would cost me. Right away I want to help them. So I think I probably would have called the police when she was knocking her utensils down. And I would have said, I believe this is so-and-so. Can you come check it out? Because I'm getting really disturbing vibes from this girl. Maybe they would have found her. So here are some theories. Police interviewed an uncle who was married to Penny's sister, but declined to name him a subject, a, a suspect. So... He wasn't a suspect, I guess. The police weren't going to name him one. Investigators believe Cayadito may be deceased, although her whereabouts remain unknown as of 2022. Theories range from a victim of homicide uh, to possibly human trafficking. Her mother, Penny, died on April 18, 1999, from a combination of liver cirrhosis and cardiac issues. Age 46. In 2016, police stated they believe Penny may have had more information than she was giving the police concerning her daughter's disappearance, citing a failed lie detector test. And Antoinette's father, um, died August 17, 2012. So essentially, I believe what the Gallup police are saying is they're saying, look, you know, the mom took a lie detector test and we believe she knows more than she's letting on. So it kind of sounds like they're blaming the mom, but I don't put any blame on the mother. 
The only thing she was doing was drinking at a bar. But who hasn't done that as parents? You leave your kids home with the babysitter. You go out to the bar for the night. You know, all of us have done it and you know you've done it. There's nothing wrong with that. You have a responsible adult taking care of your children. You go have a few drinks. You come home. End of story. So I, I think the police are always quick to blame the mother. But in this case, I don't feel that she had any more information than she was giving. Three years after Antoinette Gallardito disappeared, her 25-year-old disabled step-aunt, Luisa Estrada, sister to Larry Estrada, disappeared on September 5th, 1989, from Gallup, New Mexico. Unlike Antoinette, Luisa was found alive in Juarez, Mexico, a month later, and returned home. Over the years, there have been questions over potential connections between the two cases. It does sound kind of suspicious. Suspicious. I don't know. You know, but it does. In a 2016 interview with the Albuquerque Journal, Wendy Montoya, Antoinette's younger sister, she was only five at the time that her sister disappeared, spoke of the struggles that she and her family went through. It just broke my whole family up. It was very dark and a very dysfunctional time. Montoya revealed that she and her mother could barely talk about Antoinette without crying and then without drinking and getting high. That was how we coped with the pain to numb it, not to forget about it, but to put it on a shelf, you know? That, to me, I can totally relate to that. Um, <clears throat> because there are some times that you have issues going on and, you know, I've never turned to drugs, but, you know, you turn to alcohol, smoking cigarettes, you know, you turn to something that's going to, you know, kind of not make you forget about the pain, but kind of put it, you know, on the shelf. Uh, the trauma of losing her sister led Montoya into a life of drug addiction, drug addiction, alcoholism, gang affiliation, and acquiring a criminal record. Throughout her adolescence into her young adulthood, her lifestyle inevitably caused her to lose custody of her children to the state. And around 2007, she turned her life around. I went to rehab. I struggled to get my kids back. I struggled to get away from the old person I was to break the cycle I was raised up in and to get far away from here. And I did. The further she further added, if she could not find her sister, at least she could find herself. I think that is a beautiful, beautiful statement. Because she doesn't know where her sister is. She lost her sister and she lost herself. She couldn't find her sister, but she found herself. That to me is beautiful. Um, Wendy is reported to reside in Bakersfield, California, where she leads a private and productive life with her own family and career. 
Montoya admits that although her memories of Antoinette are vague due to the fact that she was five when her sister was taken. The loss still haunts her and she misses her to this day. So she tells people that she's frozen in time. Um, her sister will always be nine. Her sister will always be frozen in, in that area for her. Um, inevitable, inevitably frozen in time at age nine, a little girl with jumble of teeth, brown, soft brown eyes, and a caregiver's heart. Montoya still remains hopeful that her sister is out there somewhere. There is still time to discover the truth of what became of her. I'm not going to accept the fact that she's dead. I need proof. In June 2022, Antoinette's other sister, Sadie, was interviewed by KOAT7. She stated, It's hard not knowing the point of no closure. What happened? Where did she go? In the interview, Sadie also publicly conveyed a message to her missing sister. She's safe. She has a family that loves her. She has sisters. We haven't give up. We all wonder and often think about Antoinette and what she's doing. Does she have kids? What kind of life is she living? I think that would be the hardest thing for me is not knowing. Um, not knowing what could have happened, you know, not knowing where she is. Um, it, it really, it would be really, really haunting, really haunting. So Kayadito's disappearance was featured on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. The episode aired on December 16th, 1992. Nine days before what would have been Antoinette's 16th birthday. According to the National Missing and Unidentified Person System, the following decedents were ruled out as being the remains of Kayadito. Apache uh, Junction Jane Doe. August 6, 1992, between the age of 16 and 18. Um, decomposed body found near the desert on Highway US 60. And then there was a Bernalillo Jane Doe. Uh, remains of an unidentified female. So I guess they were not, um, they were not her. So if any of you have come across someone that looks like Antoinette Cayadito, um, she's been missing for 36 years, seven months and 27 days as of the article. Now, um, you know, the days and times, but I think it's been about 36 years. So if any of you have any information uh, leading to Antoinette Cayadito. Um, she could be a neighbor. She could be a friend. She could be a mom, you know, from the PTA, from the school, 
checkout lady at the grocery store. Look really hard because I'm sure this happens all the time. I'm sure it does. And I pray for her safe return. And I pray that she is alive and that she is maybe just living her life. And I pray for his fam. I pray, I pray for her family as well. I really want her family to know that I pray for them and I hope they find peace and I hope they find her. I hope they find her alive. And if they don't, I hope they find her so they can bring her home where she needs to be. So if you have any information, call the Gallup Police Department and let them know. Give them the information that they need. And um, their phone number is 505-863-9365. If you have any information on this disappearance. So that is today's show. And I will see you back next Friday with a new episode. There's so many missing and murdered people out there. And I really started, I, I really want to start focusing on the young people that have been murdered and then never found. Um, missing and murdered indigenous women, Native American women, um, the MMIW. You know, it, it's, there's just so many, so many, you know, you see a lot of, of women out there with the red hand, uh, red hand over the mouth, and it's become kind of a symbol of that. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate the fact that people are getting together and challenging these things and saying, why can't you find my sister? Why can't you find my aunt? Why can't you find my mother? So let's all keep our eyes open. Let's keep our hearts clear and let's start helping each other as human beings, because that's what we all are is human beings. So we'll see you all next Friday and I love you all. Have a wonderful day and We'll see you then. Thank you for listening. Bye.